0: For thousands of years, every morning and evening, Jewish people have prayed these well-known words as a way of expressing their devotion to God. They are called the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. And as for you, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. Now the first word of the Shema is hear or listen, which in Hebrew is pronounced Shema, that is where the prayer gets its name. Now Shema is a really common word in the Hebrew Bible and it is obvious why. Hearing is a very universal activity. It is usually connected with the ear, as in Proverbs chapter 20, ears that Shema and eyes that see the Lord has made them both. Now, that seems basic enough, but if you look at the other ways that Hebrew authors can use the word Shema, they use it to mean more than just let sound waves enter your ear. In Hebrew, Shema can also mean pay attention to or focus on. So, when Leah, who wasn't loved by her husband Jacob, she has a son and she names him Simon, or in Hebrew, Shim'on, because she says, the Lord has Shama, that I am unloved. So Shema means to hear and to pay attention to and even more. It can also mean responding to what you hear. This is why so many of the cries for help in the book of Psalms begin with a call that God listen. Psalm 27 verse 7, Shema my voice when I call, O Lord, be merciful, answer me. So asking God to Shema is at the same time asking God to act, to do something. It's similar to when God asks people to listen. Like when the people of Israel come to Mount Sinai, God says, If you shema me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession. Now, there's a couple of interesting things about this verse in Exodus. In Hebrew, the word shema is repeated twice in this sentence to give it emphasis. If you shema shema, meaning listen closely. But also notice that from God's point of view, listening is basically the same as keeping the covenant. So, when God asks the people to Shema, what he means is that they listen and obey. and That is the last fascinating thing about Shema. In ancient Hebrew, there is no separate word for obey, meaning to carry out the wishes of someone who knows better than you or is in authority over you. So, in the Bible, if you want to say, I will listen and do what you say, you use the single word Shema. In Hebrew, listening and doing are two sides of the same coin. This is why later in Israel's history, when the people were breaking their covenant promises to God, the Hebrew prophets would say things like, they have ears, but they are not listening. The Israelites, of course, could hear just fine, but they weren't actually listening or else they would act differently. And so, in the end, listening in the Bible is about giving respect to the one speaking to you and doing what they say. Real listening takes effort and action. And that's the Hebrew word, Shema.
1: Okay, did you get all that? (laughs) They move pretty fast in those videos. That, if you don't know, is the Bible Project. Um, And they do these videos on YouTube that kind of help us understand uh, all kinds of different topics and themes in the Bible. And so that's what we're doing. We're kind of collaborating with the Bible Project over the next six weeks to do this study on the Shema as you can uh, see that what what the word meant, and, and we're going to talk about six different words in Hebrew and what it meant. Um, but before we do that, I just want to say if you're new today, my name is Eric. I'm the lead pastor here. I'm glad to have you guys here. Uh, welcome again. Before you go, fill out one of these cards. Stop by the welcome table if you haven't done that already. We've got a free gift for you Um And before we get into this lesson, I want to share a quick story about my mom, who's who's here right now. She knew I was going to be talking about her, but uh, um, so she really loves like secondhand stuff and mainly Christian stuff. Like, so hand me down Christian stuff, like all my life she has gone to places like you know the DI and savers and uh yard sales and stuff like that to find christian books uh you can find these all over the place and and, and so she would find christian books and bibles and and by the way we have this uh um book bookshelf out in the lobby and a lot of those books have probably came from her house because she has just so many books at her house okay and i so i grew up there and uh also um she would have pictures on the wall like christian decorations you know every and they were all used you could tell that they weren't like brand new you know <laughs> and they all had bible verses on them and but i remember uh i remember as a kid and just over the years seeing this one and it had this prayer i knew it wasn't in the bible but it was like this prayer this Blessing. It was, uh, and I, I went and looked it up. Uh, it starts out like, "May the rose rise up, to, may the road rise up to meet you, may the wind be always at your back, may the sunshine warm upon your face." And I, maybe you've heard that before. And I, I I looked it up, and it's an Irish prayer. And I don't think we have any Irish in our family whatsoever, but we had that thing hanging on our wall for so many years because it was a a Christian artifact or something like that. And so. Um that made me think about this message that we're talking about because I, every culture has these prayers and sayings and blessings, right? Uh, or if you think about like uh, even for the American culture, I know that every one of you probably at some time in your life throughout school, and I think they're still doing it, they do the Pledge of Allegiance, okay? And so everybody knows it, right? Because it's like a, a commitment to our nation, a commitment to our, our culture and what, what what America is supposed to stand for. And so that's kind of the same thing of what the Shema is for, was for the Jewish people and still is today. Uh, the Shema is two verses in the Old Testament in the book of Deuteronomy. He, he read those just a little bit ago, but let's, let's look at those again. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5. Maybe you've heard this before, but it says, listen, O Israel, The Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And so over the next six weeks, we're going to pick apart these six words that are in blue in Hebrew. Okay, and so today we're looking at listen and that's why it's called the Shema in the first place is uh, because it starts out that way. It's saying listen up, right? This is very important. Listen. And so this is a prayer and a blessing That the Jewish people would say every morning and every evening as a devotion to God, as a symbolism of a reminder of their faith and the things that they have committed to. And now it goes on and it talks about more things and we're going to talk about those in the coming weeks. But today we're going to talk about the meaning of listen in Hebrew. Now before we get into those different meanings and definitions and why are we looking at it in Hebrew, well, because the Bible was, uh, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew language, okay? And so sometimes um, in different languages, if some of you guys know any different languages, that sometimes they don't automatically translate. Uh, and have the same flavor and the same meaning sometimes. And so sometimes when you want to go do a deeper Bible study, sometimes when you want to go find out, I, I need to know what does this passage really mean? And sometimes you're going to want to go into the original language, and so we're going back into the Hebrew language. There's a lot of cool things about the Hebrew language, and uh, there's a lot of deep meaning that the English language can't even capture, and so that's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be looking at uh, listen in Hebrew, Uh, but before I do that, I want to give you some background on those two verses, the Shema. Um, uh, So, if you don't know the story of the Ten Commandments, if you haven't seen the movie, uh, or uh, if you haven't heard of the parting of the Red Sea, that's kind of in this story. It's kind of what's happening at the time. And so, uh, what happened was, is God picked this guy. He was about 80 years old, and he said, you're going to go free my people from Egypt. They're in bondage, they're in slavery. The Israelites were in captivity under the Egyptians, and God says, "You're going to go set my people free." The Israelites were God's people in the Old Testament, and still are today. and And so Moses goes, and and God performs all these signs and miracles, and He leads them out of captivity, and He takes them, uh, and God parts the Red Sea so that they could escape the Egyptians, and, and God just does sign after sign, after miracle after miracle for His people, and. Uh, and then they end up at Mount Sinai where God, you know, en- 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 envelops this mountain full of smoke and fire and he calls Moses up and he says, I want to give you, I want to give you The Ten Commandments. I want to give you my moral law so that you can share with my people how I want you guys to live. You guys have been living in bondage. You've been living the way of the Egyptians, and I want you to live my way and follow my moral code. And I want to show you my heart and how I want to set you people apart for special use. That's what holy means, is to be set apart. And so God wanted a people holy for Himself. But the problem is, is that as I was praying earlier, we're all broken. People are broken. They're selfish. They, they have a lot of pride. We have a lot of pride. We, we elevate sometimes our feelings and our opinions and our ideas above God's truth, okay? And so God gave us his truth and his word and his heart and his law. But, but people say, I know better, or they say, uh, I don't think I trust him. Or I don't want to do that because that's not comfortable or it's, or it's painful. And so what happened in the desert, they were wandering around. A trip that was supposed to take them 11 days from where they were to get to this promised land that God had set out for them. To pull them out of Egypt to this promised land in Israel. A trip that should have taken 11 days took them 40 years because they were lost. And, and God knew that they weren't ready to come into the promised land. And so what happened was, is God said, you know what? You guys, have all, you guys keep complaining and whining and moaning and going against me and worshiping other gods and breaking every one of the Ten Commandments. You guys aren't going to get to go into the promised land. Even Moses won't get to go into the promised land. And uh, so... Now that brings us to the book of Deuteronomy, okay? All that stuff happened in Exodus, which is two books back. But Deuteronomy uh, is the word, the meaning of the word Deuteronomy is second law or uh, copy of the law. And what what this means is is in that setting, after that 40 years of them wandering, they finally made it to the Jordan River and they're about to cross over into the promised land. Moses is given his farewell speech And he needs to tell this next generation because all the older generation died off because they couldn't follow God's way. But God had promised that he was going to make this nation holy unto himself and it was going to be his people. And so what happened was, is Moses is saying, you know, you guys, you watched your parents die off in the wilderness, You've heard the things that we talked about over and over again. You've heard the Ten Commandments. You've heard all that God has done. Some of you have even seen what God has done. Let me tell you the most important thing. And that's where this this all starts out. It says, listen up. It's very important. Now, I want to just ask you, what does it mean to you to listen? Think about it. What does it mean to you to listen? When your kids, when your parents come to you and say, hey, listen to me, hear me, what do you think that means? Is that supposed to be, I'm supposed to pay attention, I'm supposed to take this serious? Yeah, I know for me, uh, you know, when my wife and I are talking sometimes and she wants to speak to me, she wants me to look her dead in the eye and I have, I don't know, I have weird problem with that, like paying attention and looking someone at the eye for way too long, even my wife for some reason, because... I'm a multitasker, if that's even a thing, but I'm a multitasker, so I think that I can like, I can hear things and do things and play on my phone all at the same time, and it's crazy, actually, my my teenager, I walked in on him the other day, and he was supposed to be doing his homework. He's got earbuds in, he's got an Xbox controller in his hand, and he's got his homework right here, the computer's on to uh, some, like, he's looking at math on the internet or something, I'm like... Are you doing are you doing homework? And he's like, Yeah, that's how I always do homework. I'm like, I, I do three things at once, you know. It's like, I mean, part of that is kind of cool, but part of that is like, pff, are we becoming a, a a people now that doesn't really listen, pay attention, give our full focus to things? I think so. Sometimes we gotta have boundaries with that. And so with my wife, with my wife, you know, like she'll be talking and then, you know, like I you know, like, can't do the eye contact thing for too long, and and so eventually, you know, I get distracted, and I'm, like, pull up my phone, and I'm thinking while she's talking, I'm like, oh, I gotta text so-and-so and talk to them about this, and she'll, she'll be talking, I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah, and then all of a sudden, like, five minutes go by, and it's silent, and I'm like, uh, were we just talking? You know, <laughs> like, are, are you going to finish what you were saying? And she's all, no, uh, no, I'm not going to finish what I'm saying because you weren't paying attention to me. So that's the importance of, I think, the idea that we're going to dig into of the meaning of listen in Hebrew when God says, listen up. We're going to look at three different, three different interpretations, Hebrew interpretations, definitions of the word Listen. And the first one is this. Shema means to really pay attention. We're going to kind of go along with some of the stuff they said in the video too. Shema means to really pay attention. And then there's a story that we're going to look at in Genesis chapter 29 about a woman named Leah. She named her son Simon or Simeon or Shimon in order to remind herself that God was truly listening. Let me tell you about uh, Leah real quick. Jacob, uh, before all this happened with the Exodus and the Israelites and all that, Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel, would be that nation. God promised to Jacob that uh, through him, all nations of the earth would be blessed and a numerous people would come from his seed, okay? And so Jacob, Jacob at the time... Uh, of his life at this very moment in time we 're going to look at in genesis twenty nine he goes to find a wife and uh he he goes and and he he 's uh observing this field of of these ladies at the time would bring these sheep and get them watered okay and he was watching them i don 't know i don 't know if he was hunting for a wife or something like that i don't i don't know but uh he was watching, and he saw this beautiful woman come up and lead some sheep to get some water down in this well. And he comes up, and he he helps her out. And he's like, he instantly falls in love with this girl named Rachel. And uh, so he goes back to her house and talks to her dad. And he's like, I want to marry her. I want to marry her. And the dad's like, okay, yeah. And so, so they throw a big party, uh, you know, there could have been some drinking involved. I don't know exactly because it doesn't say, but he throws a big party for this wedding. And at the time for the, the, the marriage to be consummated, uh, the dad does a little switcheroo And Rachel's the younger daughter, and he brings in his older daughter, because at that time, uh, the older daughter was supposed to be married first, always. The older daughter was always supposed to be given in marriage first, and so he does a little switcheroo, lies to Jacob, brings in uh, Leah, and he wakes up in the morning, he's like, who is this? What happened here, right? He's like, who is this? And he knows that he was tricked, and uh, so... So he goes back to the father and he's like, you tricked me. And he's like, yeah, well, you know, part of our custom is the older daughter has to get married first. But he's like, if you want the younger daughter, then you've got to work for me another seven years. So he works for another seven years. He worked seven years up to that marriage, gets married to the wrong daughter, now has to work another seven years for this other daughter, okay? And finally gets to marry her. And the the sad part about the story is, is that... Leah um, was faithful to him, and, and, but she always felt like she was second best, and she didn't get the attention she deserved because Jacob really loved Rachel the most and not Leah. And so that's the sad part of the story. Maybe some of you guys, uh, you know, kids growing up or you guys have felt that way in your household where not a lot of people attention was paid to you. Maybe other, the squeaky wheel gets the grease, you know, and, and the other kids or the other uh, people in the family get more attention. And that's what's going on in her life. But God does something amazing. Even though she feels like nobody's paying attention to her, God is paying attention to her. And so we're going to see that in this verse of that story, Genesis 29. She soon became pregnant again and gave birth to another son. She named him Simeon. For she said, the Lord heard that I was unloved and has given me another son. And so back then, um, childhood names were extremely important. They were prophetic of who the person was. And so that word, it's in blue. And the reason why it's in blue or highlighted like that on our on our screen today is because that word for Simeon is the same root word for Shema. It means listen, to pay attention. And what God was trying to say was, look, I know you feel left out. I know you feel unloved, but I'm paying attention to you. Isn't that such a a wonderful story that that God, even in our pain, in our grief, in our trials, God is trying to say through this word and through this son's name that he's paying attention. He's paying attention to her. He's paying attention to you. God wants you and me to know that he's watching. He's, He's listening. He's listening. He knows what's going on in your life. I know many of you can recount a story in your life where God uh, really showed you that he was listening. That he really showed you that he was paying attention. And I want you to bank on this. That God is really listening to you right now. He's listening in on your story. He knows what's going on. And he's paying attention. You can bet on that. But I bet also you're like, okay, that's cool that God's paying attention. But I want him to do something, right? I want him to act. I want him to... Uh, do something that will change my situation. And that's my next point, is that Shema means to also act on a request. And so, as we talk about the word listen, um, as it said in the video, uh, we think of, you know, listen as I can hear things. You know, sound waves coming in and out of my ear. I can hear things. But as we're talking about this deeper meaning of listen or Shema, In the Hebrew, it means to also act. There's this expectation of acting on a request that we have. And this is the kind of listening we want God to do uh, for us when we pray to him, right? We expect him not to just be up there listening when I pray. We expect him to, okay, do something about it, right? I think if many of you have, have children or if you've had children in the past or if you were a child in the past, which would be everybody in here, um, you would, remember those times when you would say, or you, you've been told, have you, have you are you going to clean your room? I want you to clean your room. Your son says, yes, okay, I'll clean my room. You come back two hours later, the room's not clean, and you say, why haven't you cleaned your room? And they say, oh, you asked me to clean my room, and you're like, what, you weren't listening to me? Like, part of that, that I want you to clean your room, is expecting him to act If he's really listening, I expect him to do what I said, okay? And so the same thing is between us and God. If he's really listening, then I expect him to act. And so there's, in Psalm 27, uh, David is praying to God. And so this word, again, Shema, is used in these verses. It says, hear me as I pray. Shema me as I pray, O Lord. Be merciful and answer me. There's this desire that we want God to not just hear, but to do something about it, right? Now, I want you to understand that God is not like a cosmic vending machine, and every time you throw up a prayer, he's going to do exactly what you want him to do. God is a, a wise father And he knows what's best for us. And so, even though he may be listening, he's not always going to act on the request the way we want him to act. So we do need to know our place in this. We're not always going to get what we want, but we will always get what we need from God because that's what a good father does. But, again... I'm sure many of you can recount a story in your life where, God, you prayed so hard for something, and God really answered that. He showed that he was listening by acting on a request. Uh, I know that this happened so many times in my life, so many times in my life. I wanted to uh, get out of trouble, and he answered in a way that I didn't really want, but it led me down the way that I needed I wanted to uh, be free of addiction, and God took a, a wild answer to that, but he came through. Um, I, I prayed several times for wh- what did he want me to do for a job and for a career, and, and things wouldn't seem to line up, you know, many years ago, and I just didn't get it, and I was praying so hard about it, and, and God all the while was working out an amazing story that I couldn't have come up with on my own. God shema's me. God shema's you. He listens to you and me when we pray. We need to understand that. But back to that idea of how shema also means focus. When we pray, I know we're all guilty of this. You know, just like my wife wants my full attention when we're talking, eye contact. When we pray, are we giving that to God? Or are we praying, oh, I didn't wake up early enough, uh, so I'm going to pray while I'm driving. You know how dangerous that is, driving with your eyes closed? I mean, God doesn't want that. I know we're all guilty of this, though. But if God is as important, because if we go to the rest of the Shema, it says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. When you love someone that much, do you say, Oh, if I can make some time for you, I'll talk to you. If I can make some time, I'll, I'll see where my priorities are at in life. And, and if you fit in somewhere, then I'll come talk to you. Then I'll listen to you. Then I'll uh, go serve you and be around your people. No, no. When you love someone with all your heart, soul, and mind, you give them your attention. You give them your focus. And so one thing uh, that I had to train myself to do, it doesn't come naturally, but discipline myself to do, was to wake up at the same time every day and make sure that every time the first thing I do is to read God's word and to pray. And I'm not saying that you have to follow my schedule or my plan. It's just an example of... One way that I make sure that God knows that he is first is that I talk to him first. One way that I I give him my attention is to not be doing anything else at all. I'm not riding a bike. I'm not driving. I'm not, uh, you know, doing the dishes. I'm not doing anything. I am focused on him. And you know what I've realized when I do that? When I give him that, that real focus, that real attention, I actually hear better. I actually have more focus. I actually get more clarity in life when I'm focused on him. And if he's that important, we should give him that time, right? Just like my wife's that important, I need to give her that time and attention, put everything away, put my phone away, turn the music down, and listen. That's what God is calling us to do with this Shema verse, the greatest commandments. I know you've heard them before. Jesus has reiterated what's the most important. We're going to get into that in just a moment. But for us, Shema doesn't just mean hear. It doesn't just mean listen. It doesn't just mean to act on a request and focus. It also means to obey God's commandments. In Hebrew, listening and doing are two sides of the same coin, and that's still how Jesus sees it today. Let me tell you this interesting little nugget about Hebrew. There are a couple things like um, in Hebrew, listen and obey. There are not two different words for listening and obeying. And so therefore, it actually means to do both. It's it's a, a double word where if I'm listening, that means I truly will go do what you say as we've talked about before. Let me show you an example of that in Exodus 19. This is God talking the first time he was talking to the Israelites about his law. He says, Now if you will shema me and keep my covenant, you will be my own special treasure from among all the peoples on the earth, for all the earth belongs to me. If you will just listen... Again, it took them 40 years to get where they were needing to go when it should have only taken 11 days and God was warning them about that. This is before they actually wandered in the desert and he was saying, you guys are in bondage and I have the right way for you if you will just follow it. Life isn't going to be perfect because this world is broken, but it won't take as long to get out of bondage. It won't take as long to get out of slavery. I know many of you are on a journey in life like the Israelites are on a journey through the wilderness. That's what life is. It's this journey in a pursuit of God and trying to figure out what does he want us to do and and how do we live and what's our purpose. And I know that, that many of us struggle with the idea of really listening and obeying because we don't trust that it's going to get us the place we need to go. And we don't trust that it's going to take us there without, with the least pain from our own mistakes and from our, our own decisions. But God is saying, if you're in bondage right now, it doesn't have to take 40 years. Now, many of us can probably say, man, I've been, been living this way for 10, 15, 20, 30, maybe close to 40 years, and we've been wanting God to set us free if we will just listen, if we will shema God, if we will just obey, if we will follow his word, if we will get into his word, if we will put our focus and our attention on him, it doesn't have to be such a terrible experience in our journey in this life as we pursue God. Now, I said earlier, Jesus thinks it's the same way today. Jesus believes the same thing. Jesus is God, by the way. But when he was here on earth, there was a moment in time where the religious Jewish people of his day were so caught up in following these rules and commandments and they said, they said to Jesus, trying to trip him up, they said, what's the greatest commandments? And Jesus Jesus doesn't get tripped up because he's too smart for that. He's too wise. He's God in the flesh. And they thought when they said, what's the greatest commandments? They thought he was going to say, one of the ten. One of the ten, you know, like one of these is more important than the other. But that would have tripped him up because we know that if you break one law, you've broken them all. They're all equal. Jesus answers with something incredible. And I know you've heard this before. Maybe you haven't. But when asked what's the greatest commandments, he responds with the Shema. Let's get into that story real quick. One of the teachers of the religious law was standing there listening to the debate. He realized that Jesus had answered well. So he asked, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Jesus replied, the most important is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the the one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Now, do you see a tiny little bit of difference there from the New Testament to the Old Testament? What is it? What word's missing from the Old Testament one? Mind. And that's another little interesting nugget about uh, Hebrew language is there isn't a different word for mind and heart. And we're going to look at over the next couple of weeks the next six weeks, we will get into those words. It is exciting. It's exciting to me anyway, because I'm a little bit nerdy about the Bible. But it's exciting. Uh, but back to this idea of the most important commandment. Jesus reiterates the Shema. He knew that he would be appealing to their, their belief system, their heart, their, uh, the way they grew up, their culture but he also knew he was reiterating God's very words of what was the most important thing to do. He didn't say, you know, follow this commandment and that commandment and make sure you do this one and this one and this one. He says, the most important thing is to listen and love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Now, as we close, I I just want to say this. I, I don't want this sermon to be all about obedience and following the law and make sure you're doing what God says, right? Although I would desire that for all of us. I would desire, and God knows, that if we would just listen and follow, how, where would our lives be? It would be, it would be? it would be amazing if we could live without sin. But the problem is this. The world is broken. We are broken. We're born that way. We've been born with this disease of sin. Ever since the very first people, Adam and Eve, decided to go their own way, trust their own opinion, their own ideas, their own feelings over God's truth, we still do the same thing today. And so, the reason why Jesus came was to set us free from that sin disease that we have. Just like God sent Moses to set the slaves and the captives free from Egypt. God sent Jesus to come and to set us free from our slavery and our bondage to sin. And the only way he could do that was to be a sacrifice for our sin. So he took everything that we deserved, the punishment, the separation from God. He was nailed on a cross. He was beaten, bruised, and whipped. And when he died on that cross, he took our place and he nailed our sin to that cross. But then he rose again after three days, proving that he had accomplished his mission. He had set out to do what he said he was going to do. He kept his promise. He kept, kept his covenant with his people, that he would be with us and he would be our God. And so before you ever try to follow a commandment or obey God or to honor him, the first thing you have to know is that you have to trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins so that he can come into your life and change you and make you right. The Bible says he will give you a new heart and a new spirit that that will then be able to follow his commands. We can't do it on our own, but God can do it through us and in us. So, If that's you here today, I would love to speak with you and talk with you afterwards. And for you Christians here today, I I hope that this inspires you to do a few things. One, to really listen and to pay attention to God. Give Him that time He deserves. Focus on Him. I also hope that this causes you to want to continue throughout this series to study the rest of these words And I also hope that it causes you to want to get into a group, a small group, so that you can pursue God with other people here at Alpine Church. I'm going to pray and then I'm going to talk more about that. Would you guys pray with me? Father, thank you for listening to us. Thank you, Lord, for how good you are to us. We don't deserve it. We can't earn it. But... You made the way for us, and it seems easy. It should only take 11 days and not 40 years to figure this out. It seems easy, but it's so hard for us because we are broken, we are sinful. We, we confess, Lord, that I don't always do the things that honor you. People, church, would you just confess that with me in your own heart right now? I don't always do the things that honor you. As a matter of fact, I do things that go against you. And for that, I am sorry, God. Please forgive me. I trust that you loved me so much that you wanted to give me that mercy by sending your son to die on the cross. And by that, I believe that my sins are forgiven. And I am right with you. Now, Lord Jesus, send your spirit to come into my life so that I can follow you, so that I can get out of bondage and live in freedom. Father, I pray for us all to be able to hear you, to respond to you, and to obey you. In Jesus' name, amen.